We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Owning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. In our business, there is no second place. Either you're first or you're last. Exactly two minutes remain in this football game. Dallas leads Green Bay 17-14. Shar on third down. Third and goal. Quarterback. Four seconds left. Green Bay Packers are going to be world champions, NFL champions for the third straight year. Lays it up for Freeman, and it's incomplete. And or did he cave in the catch at the 15? Yes. What are they going to roll it? He caught it. Touchdown. He did what? Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Talk of the Tundra, your Green Bay Packers podcast, a proud partner of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire family. As always, I'm your host, Numak, and joining me for a preview podcast with the care or for I guess the Carolina Panthers is my lovely co-host George Tresky. George, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you? Doing great because we have a special guest tonight. It's my our dearest GSPN co-host, Andrew Snyder, former or I should say formerly famously Carolina Panthers fan. Andrew, how are you doing, buddy? Doing great. Uh actually if if we're talking about how I'm doing as it relates to the Carolina Panthers. In a word, terrible. In two words, down bad. In a phrase, we are in hell. Um, but I'm happy to join the podcast. I mean, I think this is my third appearance. Uh, I was on for over-unders in season one. I was on for a draft episode, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And now, you know, returning. Always great to be a guest on your podcast. Anytime anyone comes up to me in public and says, uh, talk to the Tundra guys, what are they like off mic? I just say that you're class acts and... uh you, you're professionals and you just play the game the right way so honored to be here honored love, to be here we love ball we do love ball <laughs> andrew for the uh for the the pod listeners wearing a cam newton home home jersey we uh yeah this this is the uh, blue alternates um that you know i think sh- should be mixed in an appropriate amount because you know they look great because they're like a tealish blue not really teal but you know they're like a a blue that can represent the tears of the fan base. Oh no! As they long, 
as they long for a playoff appearance uh, because, you know, it, it's been a while since David Tepper bought the team. But I, I had to represent, you know, I will bail on a sports fandom, but only for uh, organizationally endorsed racism and uh, criminal activity. Those are the only <laughs> things that will make me bail on fandoms. I, For better or worse, you know, I, I am a Carolina Panthers fan. Surely there's never been a domestic violence issue in the NFL all the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm just trying to I recruit mean, I mean, Packers j- wor- Workplace issues when Jerry Richardson was the owner, and then, you know, true. Yeah, he, built a, he built a statue of himself. They toppled it, like, with Saddam uh, <laughs> many years ago during the Iraq War. It was a whole thing. We're off to a fast start here, and I love it. I love the energy. Uh, before we get into that uh, Carolina Panthers and Green Bay Packers matchup and a preview, we have some some cheeses to hand out, Jordan. Um, and be prepared, Andrew, because I will be asking your input on at least one of these. So, uh, up for cheese this week after the very sad loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, is Jordan Love 29-39, 284 yards, two touchdowns, uh, no picks, and a 111 passer rating. Dontavion Wicks, six catches on seven targets for 94 yards. Jaden Reed, six catches on eight targets for 52 yards and a touchdown. Tucker Craft, four catches on all four of his targets, 57 yards and a touchdown. Uh, JJ Enigbare, who had two tackles, uh, both of which were solo, one sack, including a forced fumble that was he recovered himself. And Kenny Clark, four tackles, three of which were solo, two tackles for a loss, two sacks, two hits, and a pass defended. So, I'm saying first and foremost, I think we have to have both of the defensive players there because the offense wasn't the most inspiring and what the offense wasn't the most inspiring so you're saying two defensive players because they neither there are the secondary interesting i I would have thought you're gonna go two offense one defense nope nope i've I've decided that kenny clark and dj angbari can't uh can't cover Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in zone, and nor should they. So not being ta- not being true. not being uh, docked for it. So I want to know who you think the last one should be, Jordan. And I'm curious as to what you think, Andrew. If you watch the game on Sunday, which I put you on the spot here, I did watch the game. Uh, you know, rewarding this defense for anything after that. Uh, does feel a little wrong. Listen, um, listen. The two guys are talking about each had sacks and had Kenny Clark had two sacks and then JJ Bar had a sack and a forced fumble. Like I think that's definitely cheeseworthy when no one else on the defense really deserved one. As well as like nothing about the offense is like super duper inspiring out of that game for me. That's that, a really good point. Because if, if they had not forced that fumble, then Baker Mayfield could have thrown for a fifth touchdown. So that was, that's a yes. good point. Yeah. yeah. You didn't think Love is inspiring? Not like mind blowing, no. Like he's had better no, games. But I thought it was a really good game. I thought he missed a lot of easy throws that he should have had. Yes, the first drive, yes. But I mean I, I think like he's had better games, frankly. Like I think we've given out cheeses yes. for better games and not given him cheeses. So would you for would games you tilt like Wick, Wicks over Jordan Love? I would do that. I think my current pick is either Wicks or Kraft. 
See, I would my thought process going into this was Jordan Love, Dontavian Wicks, and because like that, this is where the issue is for me, right? It's hard to pick between those two defense, those two defensive guys when I think they both deserve one, as opposed to Jaden Reed has has this like has had this line before the season already. Um, yeah. Same thing with Jordan Love, like. We've we've probably given a cheese for something around this when he looked better. I just think he didn't look as good as he's looked in in weeks past um, during this game. Like he he limited a lot of the turnover worthy the turnover worthy throws. But I come out of the game thinking he probably played fine. He plays like that for his career. It's pretty good. But we've given I think the the bar for a Jordan Love cheese has been higher than than how he played on on Sunday. Like, the stats are there, of course, but that's also because he threw it 40 times. Yeah. Like, if they actually use Aaron Jones and um, Aaron Jones and any sort of running game, maybe they win that game a little better since most of the offense is set up by the, the running. And then they play play action and roll out some things like that to get Jordan Love some more time. But, yeah, I'm if, if you're want to cape for Jordan Love as being the only offensive player to get cheese this week. I'm also ne- like up for negotiation if you really want to convince me about JJ or Kenny. But it's going to take a pretty solid... It's just, it's hard because at, the difference in snaps is like really, like here, I can pull it up on PFF right now but the difference in snaps between the two is like very stark. Between so JJ you, and Kenny Clark? Yeah, do you reward, yeah, 25 snaps for JJ... Um, Kenny Clark, what do you have? 44. That's actually not as much as I thought it was going to be. I mean, talk about, I guess, impact plays. It's kind of like... The thing is, you got to reward the, the impact plays. We we gave one to Keyshawn Nixon, I think, right? When he had the interception we against did. the Chiefs. So I, I think that's the same idea, right? Like, Keyshawn probably played a little more than JJ did in this game, but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. JJ and Barry. Cheese lock! Okay. So then do you give one to Kenny, who had two sacks in a game? Who, who had two sacks and two QB hits? I'm not sure if that's the same two hits or if it's separate. You know what I mean? I forget how. So I forget if PFF counts like hits as sacks as the same tackle. So if he gets a sack, does it also count as a hit is my, my question. I don't think they do. Okay. So then he... Was in the multiple plays in the pocket and multiple plays and got home twice, including two other tackles for a loss. Like I just think that's one of the better games he's had this year. As a, like one of the better games he's had this year. You know, you swung me. That's what I'm saying. Like you swung me. The the front four or five of the like Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, TJ Slayton, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and um. DJ Anibari weren't the reason the Packers lost this game. That was no. everything from the linebackers back. <laughs> yeah. And Joe Barry. And so that's why I, I think they like JJ Anibari and Kenny Clark for sure get cheeses. And then I'm just mulling over who I want on, on offense. But I'll let you pick who you want, since considering I kind of had a had a I dictated what the uh the two defensive players would be. Or would get one. I I would honestly I thought Wicks is a lot like probably my first lock. 
I'm fine with that. Is that the best game of the say... season? Oh, yeah. I don't think he had any... Uh... Sorry, I'm looking up a stat and I'm losing my train of thought as I speak. You're good. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he's had a... I think this is easily his best. I'm looking at Jordan Love's... His passer rating was the sixth highest this year. For, so, for yeah, him? To your point of we've seen better from Jordan Love... It's not necessarily wrong. Most, Second highest completion percentage on the year. Most receptions for Dante Van Wicks and most yards for him. Give it to him. Cheese lock him. Yeah. So Wicks. Pop it and lock it. Wicks and Igbare and Kenny Clark. Yeah. Perfect. Andrew, go with that? <laughs> I thought that cheese board was going to go, but we did it. Andrew, is that clear? I think you guys, I think you guys did great work there. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> I wholeheartedly approve of uh, your dairy choices in this in this matter. Thank you. I had a piece, uh, I had a sample today at Whole Foods going to get some salmon for dinner. And they had some Gruyere uh, as a little sample piece. Ooh, it was creamy and delicious. Sean. Go ahead. Finish Greary. it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like to do uh, a mac and cheese with some bechamel, some shells. Ooh. Uh, and then, uh, great, uh, some, some sharp cheddar, some Gruyere. And then one more melter. That you know that third one, I like to mix it up and then a little little parmesan at the end. You know, Ooh, mix it up. I, I also, that. in the bechamel, you mix in some hot mustard, and you you don't really taste it, but it's there, and it's it's Ooh. it provides the tang you need. But the, anyway, the amount of times I've heard people put mustard in a recipe and they go, "But you're not gonna taste it." This is like way too many. Like all the barbecue TikTok videos, all the uh, it, stuff like that. It's like, in it's, a lot of barbecue things. It's a binder, Jordan. I, yeah, it is. <laughs> not that I know. <laughs> It brings people together. It really ties the room together like a nice throw rug, I think. We're off the rails, but I'm curious. What is your guys' opinion on Dijon mustard? Positive. I'm, I'm a fan of most mustards. Jordan, I, I, I'm not. I, th- I think I am a, a strictly yellow mustard person. I'm pretty boring mustard-wise. I like to make chicken salad with QP mayo and a little bit of Dijon mustard. <laughs> I saw that picture of the Discord. So go join the Discord if you want to see the uh, pictures of Andrew's mayo. So anyways. Yeah, we're trying to summon a Kobe, <laughs> Kobe mayo uh, trade uh, in Oregon Burns from the Orioles. He's a third baseman prospect. And, so that's and what we're we'll, trying to summon. And what podcast would you possibly listen to that on? Or right, can I listen to this analysis about uh, Cruising for a Bruising, uh, gsbn.info. Find all the info there. Me and Adam McGee. Talking ball. But back to you, Numak, for some football <laughs> talk with some football guys, some, and also me. <laughs> some new. <laughs> I just read Jordan's sentence in the notes. It just says Jordan, Jordan Joel Barry defends his life. <laughs> yes, it, yes, he did. That's that's how I. Every tweet, every X, um, post that I saw of Joe Barry's press conference today was literally Joe Barry being like. I am who I am. What can I say? <laughs> it was like, okay. Yeah, the uh, we're not going to spend too long on this. We kind of talked about it on Sunday as well, but the talk of the of the town and Teletown has been... Talk of the tundra, um, even. Talk of the tundra, even, has been just why isn't why is Joe Barry still the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers? And I think the entire organization can collectively answer as a big shrug. Like the headline from this Matt Schneeman article is 
Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry sounds like a coach who knows what fate might await him. And I think that's a kind of a perfect encapsulation of what's going on up there. Like, I think everyone sees the, um, the I guess, writing in big Sharpie on the wall. And it's trending towards Joe Barry being being fired, especially if they miss the playoffs. Like, if they, miss the, if they kind of sneak into the playoffs with help from their friends around the NFL, then it kind of just softens that blow for one more week and it's for one more game. But, yeah, it shouldn't. I, I, he definitely should be gone regardless. And I think that's kind of the, the 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 line Packers fans are walking right now is do you want to win out to possibly go to the playoffs with this team or do you want to lose to ensure that Joe Barry loses his job, which is a shitty thing to root for. But as as fans of a sports team, it's stuff we have to do sometimes. Well, you always do the consolation prize. If it doesn't go your way, oh, let's tank for the biggest. We were doing this openly on the podcast earlier in the season. Right. Where the Packers were not playing well, and you're like, oh, maybe they can have the highest draft pick of my lifetime. Like, it, it's very, you know, you try to find the best way possible or put a, pin a scapegoat on it. Right. And it's not that Joe Barry is not a deserving scapegoat. He fully is. This team had a better shot at the playoffs two weeks ago than it did at all at any point last year. Right. Yeah, you know I mean, like they were in the driver's seat to compete for a playoff berth, to clinch a playoff berth, and they have fumbled it toward <laughs> to giving Tommy DeVito and Baker Mayfield two straight career uh, days. NFC, yeah. NFC Offensive Player of the Week or whatever that is. Right. So, yeah, it's like it's not to beat a dead horse, but it's just so obvious, especially after a game like that where. Your coach, your head coach is openly like trying to <laughs> shutting down so he doesn't have to defend Joe Barry and have that get attached to him because it's just what it is. This is a merit performance. You know what I mean? If you're not if your unit that you're coach, you're coordinated to coach, as he expertly was talking about today, is not performing well. It's gonna fall on you. That's that's what it is, and you know that's what it'll always be. Andrew, as an expert in coaching firings, unfortunately, <laughs> jeez, what uh, are, are Packers fans justified in this, or or do we have it a little bit sweeter than we might think we do? I think they are justified, um, because it's been a multi-year thing and a multi-year conversation that I see you guys have all the time, not just <laughs> on the podcast but in the Discord, uh, and obviously being the host of a Milwaukee Brewers podcast and um, just also uh, loving the Bucks and like watching every Bucks game I can and trying to stay up to date on that conversation, I'm going to get some Packers stuff mixed in. And like, it's just the same story. Um, the Tommy DeVito one is worse than last week, even though I know Baker yes. had like a perfect passer rating. I'm on the Baker's back bandwagon because I like the guy a lot. And I thought Matt Rule and David Tepper had ruined his career, but then you go spend a few weeks with Sean McVay, and now I think he's probably proving that he can be a starter uh, in the NFL for the next few years. I mean, uh, 28 TDs, eight interceptions. He had a few tough weeks coming into that game, and then like looked like he was on fire, had a great game. Yeah. Um, but DeVito, I mean, is a guy just trying to cash in on his 15 minutes of fame and like sell chicken cutlets or whatever was happening with the branding stuff that and came out today. And, like, and apparently, yeah, trying to strong-arm a pizza chain. <laughs> like, let it, letting that Is that what he's strong-arming? 
God. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. <laughs> like if if Bryce Young carves up the Packers this weekend, that's a problem. And I know we'll talk about this later, but like this organization, despite winning last week on the last second field goal, two minute drill down the field, you know, hand claps for Bryce there. They the offensive line is terrible. The skill positions are problematic. And like Bryce clearly looks like a guy who's still trying to figure it out. And that discussion about whether or not he will long term is still ways away. But you can't let a quarterback carve you up the third week in a row, especially with a team playing for nothing when you're still in a playoff race somehow. Like I, I so I think to, that was my long way of answering your question. That yes, Packers fans are justified in wanting this guy's uh, resume in the paper shredder. Preferably, yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll get more into the matchup here in a little bit. But some more news and notes. Packers designated um, my young son, uh, Emmanuel Wilson, off of, or uh, designated to return from IR. Him, um, Luke Musgrave, and Luke Tenuta have all been designated for return. So with that timing, it kind of makes sense that they have three weeks to do it, and there's three weeks left in the season. So uh, maybe we'll see Emmanuel Wilson back. Uh, Matt LaFleur had good things to say about uh, about Wilson this week saying that he's miles and light years ahead of where he was before his injury, just noting that he's been locked in during his injury to try and improve and understand NFL offense a little better than he would as a uh, player that had only played in like five games up until his injury. Um, Luke Musgrave, there's some rumblings that he might be back for the game next weekend against the Vikings. Um, so shout out the shout out those two tight end sets. Should we get them coming back from a lacerated kidney like a month after you do it is uh, insane insane hours. What? I, I'd be down for my life if I lacerated a kidney, not playing football. Um, and then Luke Tenuta, um, who had started the year off on IR and was a organizational organizational favorite. Um, maybe he gets some some reps as this year comes to a close rather than punting on the whole year, but we shall see with him as well. So, um, in other injury news, Matt LaFleur shared the Packers miscalculated Jair Alexander's injury recovery. And that, that is a factor in why he hasn't been playing despite practicing for the last few weeks. Um, the biggest thing for Jair right now is tackling according to him and that he's deemed himself week to week. So, I think there is a real possibility that he just doesn't. He might not play the rest of the year if he just can't shake whatever back injury is ailing him. And back injury is notoriously finicky and take a while to recover. So if they're in a place where they don't need him and they just keep playing Corey Valentine, Carrington Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, and Eric Stokes, then they might just do that and let him get healthy for next year. Yeah, there might be three games left. I don't really... See the, yeah, see the urgency in getting him back. Yeah, especially... I think the only way they would like... Tackling is pretty important. Yeah. The Packers haven't reinforced that, but the tackling is pretty important. Yeah, you wouldn't know by their uh, their <laughs> their team mantra and, and how they tackle throughout the year, but it is important. Yeah. Um, I I think the only way we might see him this, this week or this year is if like the Week 18 game against the Bears like matters. And they feel like they win it, they're in kind of thing, which yeah. I, I don't know if they still have that option. But I think that might be the only scenario in which the, in which um, 
we for sure might see Jair this year. Um, and then one more piece of drama in the Packers uh, sphere. Devondre Campbell tweeted that he will no longer play hurt and did not and did not participate in Wednesday's practice. Um, I think a lot of this stemmed from being thrown into coverage against receivers that he has no business covering and reporters and people and coaches and people like us talking about how it just isn't there for him. He shouldn't, he can't be covering those guys because his speed isn't there anymore, but he hasn't playing hurt. So it's kind of like, I'm guessing quite frustrating for Devondre to see criticism when he's been nursing an ankle injury for the past, what, two months, Jordan? Yeah. I mean, he was on IR too. Yeah. So that's something that you don't <laughs> during the middle of the season you don't just like magically like oh it's all better it's, I don't feel anything or kind of thing like that right he may feel that in other ways considering his Twitter <laughs> outburst but yeah that that certainly seems like a guy that's been frustrated and it's been I think two straight years yeah I think I of. think it it being two straight years is kind of what's the most frustrating for him like after having a breakout year and earning himself a contract he had an injury plague last year and now an injury plague this year. Like I'm, I'm guessing he's just kind of over being hurt all the time. Yeah. Which understandable. So, but we'll get more of the injury report in just a minute. Um, time to dive in to this Panthers Packers series. The Packers are 10 and six against the Panthers lifetime. Uh, the low in playoff meeting between them is when the two franchises uh, met in 1996, in the NFC championship game, which the Packers won 30 to 13 to advance the Super Bowl. Um, Andrew might have been four, I think, if I have your age right. Um, ninety six. So that game was that J- game was played in nineteen ninety. That would have been in nineteen ninety seven for the game, yes. though, right? Yeah. yeah. So I would have been five. Um, just just a little bit too early for me to have that as a core memory. I think I've said on a box podcast before. My first sports memory was uh the Last Dance Finals. Uh, so the following year. So, but I do in the aftermath of that, you know, my dad being a Panthers fan, I definitely knew of that game, that loss, that kind of surprising run to get even that far from the Panthers so early in their, um, beginnings of, as a franchise. Their existence. Yeah. Their existence. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Don Uh, Capers, Carrie Collins, who I felt like was the embodiment of skull chewing tobacco. (laughs) That, time. <laughs> that sounds about right. Uh, Kevin Green was a Panther at that point, right? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was yeah. a pain in the butt. I remember him. Sure was. That's what a crazy sentence I just heard about Carrie Collins being the face of skull chewing tobacco. If you look at a picture listen, of Carrie Collins, I, I understand. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just laughing quite hard at the, at the mention of it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, the Packers are 5-4 and four and playing uh, in Carolina, including having lost the last two meetings. Are one of those last two meetings the uh, the Cam Newton game where he was talking to Clay Matthews watching film? I, I believe so. I think that was like the second of the last two meetings, I'd imagine, something like that. But uh, And the other one was the game that Aaron Rodgers came back late. Oh, yeah. Hurt. Yeah, during the Brett Hundley year, <clears throat> but yeah, those things kind of just follow Aaron Rodgers. He's living another Brett Hundley year just in New York. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, those I I have grown to to really be suspect of Packers at Panthers games. I've never. It's rare where the Packers have done well in well, Carolina. It's rare that the Packers go south of the Mason Dixon line and do well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, like Miami it might be the exception, but there's still been. I mean, even Panthers. then, they've been they've had to come back. They had to come back at the end of the last time they played Miami. They had yeah. the, the fake spike touchdown on the Jory Nelson. Yeah, like, but then Tampa Bay. I think they what they win two years ago in Tampa. Yeah, no, last, last year, year, last year, barely. yeah, last year barely. Yeah, um, but yeah, the 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 Carolina Panthers currently two and twelve own the top spot in the draft, but they don't own the pick, sadly. Sorry. Sorry, Andrew. Um, they're coming off of good news, a 9-7 win in which there were tens of people there <laughs> during a, a downpour of a, of a football game. But a 9-7 Both their wins were in the rain. <laughs> yeah. A 9-7 win over the Falcons. Seeing them win a game 9-7? Uh... The joke was on me because I was actually watching it. Like, <laughs> despite telling myself I should just opt out of all of these games, I find myself watching most of every game just because I'm like, you know, this is what I deserve. This is what this is what God has put in front of me. So I'm going to watch it. And then the drive itself, I think, uh, you know, uh, Bryce Young did some nice things in the rain. I think Shuba Hubbard. Uh, got some nice yards on the ground. Maybe Miles My- Sanders on that drive as well. I think there was a nice Mingo catch. Maybe Adam Thielen. I can't quite remember. But then once they got like it to like the two or the five, they kept having to take knees to run the clock down to kick the last uh... second field goal. And I was like, "There, it's gonna slip on the wet turf. It's going to. That's what's going to happen." Eddie Pinero, who has been very reliable as a Panther, is going to fall on national television. And like not even get a kickoff, and then, and then they everything went off without a hitch. But it it felt like I was doing something harmful to my body, and like I don't even know if I enjoyed the victory. But I I was just like, well, counts as a W in the scorebook. Let's on to on to Green Bay or on to Green Bay next week in Charlotte. That's very funny. I mean, you're you're a football fan. Like it's just watching your team play bad games is kind of like your curse as a fan because there's only 17 of them 
Like you could either just not watch it and not watch football for a year, or you could just suffer and suffer in silence and hope that uh, that those those wins come along. I do want to say one thing, uh, and this has turned out to be just an absolute masterclass on my part. So I have season tickets, um, and so middle half of this year when the the bill was due, you know that was uh, when I was between jobs. I'd been laid off earlier in the year. And I had a friend who was like, why, why don't I just buy him from you this year? And I was like, all right. So, you know, sell them to him. Somebody, full. somebody bought your season tickets. Yes, before the season started. Oh, no. <laughs> and so oh. I'll, I'll re-up next year and hope things are better. You know, I was in a financial bind at that time. And, like, I don't think I can ever talk to that person again. <laughs> because they would probably... you can threaten violence against me and i feel so bad but like it's it's not my fault it's david tepper it's frank reich it's 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 all it's, it's who's everybody the what's his name scott uh, scott Fitterer. scott fitterer and fitterer. him still having a job right now is insane to me they should have sent him packing with reich like bro not saying bryce young is officially done and can't be a competent starter in this league that book is still to be written but the bare minimum we know is you botch that pick and you botch that trade so like, yeah. see you, bud. Like, he should have to eat Christmas dinner by himself in the bowels of Bank of America Stadium. Yeah, I think you just definitely have to have, like, in a situation like that, you just, you just have to fire him, even though it's a a move you. Sh- I understand the idea. If you lose it that badly, I think it just it just costs you your job, no matter what. And it's funny because. Obviously, in football with a salary cap, having the richest owner doesn't really work for you in the way it might work for you in baseball. You know, we get mad as Brewers fans at Mark Adonazio for some of the payrolls he comes out with, but he hires good people. Matt Arnold, David Stearns before him, uh, like the coaching staff and the scouting department, the pitching lab, catching lab, whoever, analytics team, hires good people and lets them do their job and they do a good job. David Tepper can't even hire the right people and he can't spend his way out of it with his big money bags that he has from whatever venture capital life he lives. <laughs> this is a guy who has a pair of brass testicles on his desk. Uh, apparently that's a thing that's been reported. He should not get to put those on his desk anymore. He should have to remove them after what he has done to this franchise. And they have not made the playoffs since he bought the team. Obviously the previous owner, uh, was forced to sell for very legitimate reasons. So I'm glad that he, well, he's dead now, um, but I'm glad that he was not the owner of the franchise the last several years. But David Tepper has absolutely run this team into the ground and just ruined my falls and my winters. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's just uh, a terrible, terrible, terrible owner and should not be allowed to attend NFL games, let alone make decisions <laughs> Uh, four teams. I'm, I'm taking this too far. I apologize. Well, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> there is something I like the guy. <laughs> there is something very interesting about this franchise with, um, uh, for lack of a better word, testicles. Because they're, I remember when the statue of Jerry Richardson, there the there's very pronounced testicles <laughs> on one of the Panthers. I think those are still there. 
Is that where they did They did put them on his they, desk. They those? didn't neuter the the Bronze Panther. I, I'm surprised at this no. development. No. Um, also, Scott Fitterer's wife. Hold I was seeing how. Hold I was seeing. On. I was seeing. <laughs> no, I was seeing how long Scott Fitterer was in his current position. He's been there for three years. That's crazy. First off, and he's and he's already made so many terrible decisions. That's yes. impressive, honestly, to make yes. that many bad decisions. His wife's name is Cherish, which is an awful name. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, May, twenty eighteen. Tepper buys the Panthers. Twenty eighteen season, they go seven and nine. Twenty nineteen, five and eleven. Twenty twenty, five and eleven. Twenty twenty one, five and twelve. Twenty twenty two, seven and ten. Which only got that competent because Steve Wilkes went out there and did his best to make the team a passable excuse for an NFL team after Matt Rule's terribleness was on display uh, for a few seasons. I almost cursed there, caught myself, told you, Newmark, I would have the restraint not to. And then this season, obviously, 2 and 12. Coaches um, inherited Ron Rivera, obviously. Uh, fired him midseason in 2019, I believe. Perry Fuel, the interim there, hires Matt Rule, pays him a bunch of money for whatever reason because he coached Baylor and Temple. Who cares? <laughs> uh, fires Rule. Wilkes obviously is the interim. He does the rules. A, uh, does a good job, like shepherding that ship to the completion of the season. Doesn't get the job. Instead, they hire Frank Reich, and then fire him midseason again. Chris Tabor, who I just learned was a person when he took over as the interim coach this season. Like, it, the degree of ineptitude, trading a haul of um, draft capital and DJ Moore to the Bears for the number one pick in a draft where going into it, folks said, there's no real number one quarterback, but it's <laughs> probably Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. And it turns out there was one. It was C.J. Stroud, and he's not the one they took. Just, like... It's it's like Wait, okay. You, so to to sorry to I know you're feeling it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If they had just made the wrong decision with the quarterback, I feel like that would be more livable. Like you're not going to get every even that is a franchise altering position. It's the fact that they doubled down on it with trading off how many picks and a very good receiver at that, like. I don't know. That's crazy. To be, to be fair, think, to to be, I guess, devil's advocate. If they don't make the trade, they don't have. They're not. They don't have the opportunity to make the pick in the first place. And I was. Oh, of course. So, yeah. So if you go and listen to our draft episode, I think it was me and everyone in the chat and you guys and all the other guests being like, "All right, the Panthers did it. They made the right pick. They got Bryce Young." And then we were all wrong on that because draft experts are liars and they don't know what they're talking about, and we should not trust their like lists when the athletic or any other place comes out with a list we just shouldn't trust it because it's they don't know what they're talking about clearly 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 um to be fair again an nfl team had to pick between an ohio state qb and an alabama qb that's hardly ever a winning situation yeah (laughs) like i think though cd stroud uh, might be the first ohio state quarterback in a very long time to be something real it's a, I Heisman, I, it's a Heisman. It's a Heisman guy versus. Hmm. 
because it's been wow. under different coaching regimes. Like, like what? Why Ohio State? Why did that narrative? Is it just happenstance, or is it something about a system they run? I don't know. I thought Stroud looked pretty good in that right. system, and then I let people convince me that Bryce Young was the guy, and they lied to me, and now I feel stupid. Um, I think that people, yeah, so, a lot of QBs have looked good in the Ohio State system. Like Justin Fields is a great example. Just of a quarterback that looked really good at Ohio State and now has not exactly turned out at uh in Chicago. But I think you go back to like Cardell Jones wasn't this huge prospect or anything, but he was very good at Ohio State and then was barely passable as a quarterback in, in the NFL. And so it's not a insignificant uh narrative to push, but I think there was something different about Stroud that looking looking back on it, I think I let myself like the experts get caught up too much in that aspect of the player evaluation. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying can CJ Stroud, who looks like and throws like the prototypical franchise QB, can he be the outlier liar for Ohio State quarterbacks? Or can Bryce Young be the outlier for guys his size? I think I probably and a lot of the experts swung too far in the Bryce Young is the outlier for his size rather than, well, let's evaluate C.J. Stroud for what he is as a uh, QB and not think about all the guys that have looked good playing for Ohio State and then flopped in the NFL. And, you know, so I guess like he's Jordan, like you said, making that decision is understandable had you not sent a haul of picks to Chicago. Yeah, right. So I guess I let's just start there, Andrew. Obviously, you you watch more of the Panthers and than than we do, and than most of the NFL does. There's been the narrative that Bryce Young has looked bad this year, and that that Carolina like got the pick wrong, 15 games into C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young's careers, respectively. For for you, has it actually been as bad as advertised? For um. Like watching the games and just watching like watching him play. Cause I know like early on in the season he made um, when he played the Falcons the first time he made two interceptions that were the same throw. It was that, week one. Yeah, and so like that's a week one thing, right? Like that's understandable. But nine TDs to nine interceptions has taken a lot of sacks. But is it has it been as bad as advertised, or is this more of a piling on of a of a rookie quarterback who is? playing on a team without a lot of help in the first place. I think it's a little bit of both. And uh, sorry for coming on here as a guest and talking so much on your podcast. We want you to talk as a guest. That's why we have you here. I got fired up and I just let it rip. It's a little bit of both because it has been bad. I don't want to say come in here and be a homer and and say it's been good. But I also don't want to be like too irrational about it because I think he has shown moments. I mean, like. For, for whatever that game last week was, he drove them down the field and they won that football game. That's not nothing. Um, but we've also seen the games um, like against New Orleans where he was just terrible. Uh, trying to think of some of the other games that were just truly atrocious. Um, those two uh, picks in the Falcons game were bad because it's not learning from the mistake he made on the first pick, but also, you know, that was week one. So I think we tended as Panthers fans to overlook that for a bit. Uh, one thing that is his fault, but also is not his fault just because the O-line has been terrible and he's being pressured so often is he had the tendency to hold on to the ball too long. 
And I think that leads to um, sacks or last ditch throws or fumbles when he really just needs to like either get the ball out quickly. And that's tough because Panthers receivers do not uh, get separation. I think there was a stat in the middle of the season that showed that they were like worse in the league at uh, getting separation from corners or whoever's, you know, guarding them. So kind of is what it is from that standpoint, because he's got a rock and a hard place in terms of his options when he's dropping back. I mean, sacked three times against Atlanta, four times against New Orleans, four times against Tampa, four times against Tennessee, seven times against Dallas, uh, six times in a win against Houston, five times against the Vikings. So he's running for his life seemingly more often than not, and it just makes it very tough to evaluate. But that being said, you'd still like to see him adjust to his situation a little more and be a guy that can come out and not necessarily win you games, but make winning plays to bail you out of situations. So I'm I'm not holding the season against him by any means because of that, but I would have liked to see him kind of make some adjustments like Jordan Love has done this season. Um, like, I think that Chiefs game is such a like big indicator of the development that Love has had this season. Um, and obviously he's further along into his career, although it is his first season as a starter. Um, so I think what I'll be looking for next year with a new coaching staff um, is him learning from those mistakes and like adjusting like the same way we want an NBA coach to adjust. Okay, the other team's offense is showing me this. The other team's defense is showing me this. How can I work within the system that I'm in and like the things that are stacked against me to at least like make passable plays that are keeping us in ball games? And uh, I mean... <laughs> The other thing that I shouldn't hold against him is his play callers swapped back and forth, I think, four times in total of changing. It's been two guys. So Reich was calling the plays. They switched to Thomas Brown. They switched back to Reich, and then they fired Reich. So now it's Thomas Brown calling the plays again. So everything has been set up against him, but I I don't want to say it hasn't been bad because that would be disingenuous when you see what C.J. Stroud is doing and even, I guess, what Richardson was doing before he got hurt in the smallest of small sample sizes. Right. And I think even Levis has looked kind of passable, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's when you're compare comparison is the thief of joy, but you kind of have to do that with a quarterback class. No, absolutely. Like I think that he's definitely looked the worst out of like the starting QBs that have they're like rookie starting QBs, like actual true rookies between, like you said, Richardson, Stroud, and now Levis. I think Levis has looked fine. I don't think it's like anything inspiring as like a. He might be something. He could be nothing. That's kind of a pick. Um, but yeah, I think to your point, just about the difference in play calling going between the two guys and the specialists just aren't really there. Like you're, you've got a uh, Chuba Hubbard jersey hanging up in, in your room there, but between Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, and DJ Chark Jr., like the the pass catchers for them, for the Panthers, just aren't really inspiring for a rookie a rookie QB. And that's why I've like lauded the, the Adam Thielen signing. Like I think without Adam Thielen, that this, this team looks a lot worse than, than they do. And that's, it's hard to say like Adam Thielen's nearing a thousand yard season with, with, with Bryce Young. He's been the only guy that can reliably get open and really make a difference for, for him as a quarterback. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. And so from a, a perspective like defensively has it been 
a lot of the same mistakes being made. And if he's getting sacked that often, I guess, are you afraid of of the Packers front coming up? Because I, I saw a tweet today um, for the top pass rush top pass rush combinations for each team that have been most effective when just rushing for the season. And the Packers are seventh. They have a pressure rate of uh, 55 and a half which is, like I said, good for seventh in the NFL, with Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. Uh, those four, when rushing uh, just those four together, get a sack uh, one in five times. And that's on the season. So I guess is that something I don't want to ask if you're worried about, obviously, because I'd imagine listing off the sack numbers, you're just afraid of Bryce Young getting sacked every week. But is that just something that you kind of have accepted as this year, is that this line isn't capable of holding up against top tier pass rushings or pass rushers and I guess defense in general. Yeah. Um, they did look better last week, but I don't know what to take away from any matchup with Atlanta right now. Um, <laughs> I guess, they've, they've had a good defense, right? It was a nine, seven game. So, then, right. you know, they, it's not a bad they defense. You hold one or 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just some, I, I see Desmond Ritter as quarterback, and I just assume your franchise is bereft of any talent, but uh, that's just me making assumptions uh, about the opposite side of the ball. Uh, I mean, yeah, the O-line, um, Iki Aquanu, who was a first-round draft pick um, two years ago, I think, out of my beloved NC State Wolfpack, uh, has really struggled uh, at left tackle. Um that was a first a first round pick, as I said, and that was the guy that was supposed to be the centerpiece of the line. They've also had some injuries on the line, which has seen guys like Nash uh, Jensen and Cade Mays uh, get into action when maybe you didn't expect them to play because Chandler Savala and Austin Corbett were supposed to be uh, your right and left guard, and there you go. That's all up in smoke. So it has been a makeshift line from time to time because of those injuries. And so, yeah, that probably is what I'm most worried about going into Sunday's game. It's so funny not having a first-round pick because normally when you get to this point in the season, you'd be like, all right, let's let's go lose, like, back up the tank. I'm, you know, who cares anymore? <laughs> and I know it would still obviously help with later picks being earlier in those rounds, but at this point in the season, like, every game is just me being like, what can I see from Bryce Young in terms of development? take going forward rather than the wins and losses so if they come out and win like last week i'm like yeah we won doesn't matter who cares so it's kind of a weird spot to be in uh but with the cushion that we saw packers dbs giving buccaneers receivers last week if the panthers could protect bryce young to a reasonable degree maybe he can like short pass them to death and push the ball down the field but what I think is going to happen is Rayshon Gary is going to get like three sacks and maybe like knock Bryce Young out of the game in the third quarter or something. Would not like that just for in just in no. general. Not at all. <laughs> um, I had to dig in and find some interesting stats about the Carolina Panthers because there are some in spite of them being the worst team in the league. Um. Idro Evero as the defense coordinator, did he interview with the Packers? He did, I believe. Before they hired Joe Barry. Before they hired Joe Barry. He was one of the ones that like a lot of fans after Joe Barry had been be- doing bad been like, 
why didn't we just hire him kind of thing. I think yes, he's been put on this pedestal of like, that is the guy that we could have gotten. Yep. Um, For all the things that you want to talk about the Panthers and and struggles that they've had this year, I found it really interesting. Let me bring up these notes. They have allowed the fewest total yards after a catch this season, and they allow the third fewest receiving yards to opposing wideouts. So it's not like this defense, like Brian Burns is obviously like the headlining guy. Shaq Thompson is a good player. Is he healthy? Am I misremembering? I feel like he's healthy. Uh, Shaq Thompson, you say? He's on yeah. IR. He is not healthy. So that was a terrible example that I just pulled out <laughs> of my butt. Anyway, um, it's not like they don't, like this is not like a team bereft of like, good players defensively. But I was really shocked to see, like, oh, for as much as, like, we can joke about, like, how bad the Panthers are, like, they're in positions to win games as painfully as it has been this year. And especially when, you know, their secondary, J.C. Horn, um, who's the other corner that i forgetting? Um, they kind of headline the secondary and have done their part in not getting burned <laughs> from passing game. So basically, all that is to go to say, why is the Panthers' defense really good at not letting guys like, you know, uh, a Christian Watson or Jaden Reed have a field day? I think it comes down to coaching, right? I would say so. Because, like, J.C. Horn has had a tough time staying on the field. Oh, we talked about Shaq Thompson being out. Frankie Louvu is a big part of that as well. Uh, could see this great at cleaning up messes like in the middle of the field. And then Derek Brown and Brian Burns getting pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, obviously if a quarterback's running for their lives and or life and making a throw, uh, kind of with, uh, outside the framework of an offense, maybe that allows kind of your coverage to, like settle into the chaos and then your receivers aren't getting as much separation once they do catch the ball. That That's a great question because I think the, it's been easy to overlook how talented the defense can be at times over the last few seasons because they're losing games and just looking terrible because the defense is on the field so much because the offense can't move the ball and sustain drives. I think we were having a conversation about this in the discord weeks ago when the Packers offense was uh, struggling and someone was making the point that, you know, the offense and what it does for your defense, like, isn't a factor in that defense's performance. And I think that's probably a lot, uh, a big factor with what happens with the Panthers. But that that's a really interesting stat. And I, I think if I had to have one answer, probably coaching, uh, Averro is very highly regarded. And I think we'll probably, despite this, get head coaching looks in the next or few years, depending on what shakes out. I thought it was interesting when you had talked about how if the Panthers receivers can get open and just like play against the zone that the Packers are going to going to come in and play that it might be able to get him on track and like showcase a little bit more of his talent and stay and while staying upright, if he can stay upright. And I, it led me to pull up this tweet that I had, had posted today talking about, this is a, a graph that I had seen, um, where the, the x-axis is um, man coverage separation prevented percentile, 
in the y-axis is zone coverage separation prevented percentile and it's a list of all the cornerbacks um who have played 175 coverage snaps and in this the three players from the packers there's, there's four packers on this i guess four packers logos one of which was, is is russell douglas who isn't on the team anymore but the other three are Corey Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, and Carrington Valentine. All three are below 50% by a hefty margin. Keyshawn Nixon, Keyshawn Nixon is the only one above 25, and it's barely there. Um, when it comes to um, zone separation prevention attempts, essentially. Basically, how often are you letting your receiver get open in zone versus how often are you letting your receiver get open in man? 75% of the time, those three players are at least 75% of the time letting their players get open in zone. When it comes to man, Carrington Valentine is uh, holding his receiver down over 75% of the time, and Keisha Nixon is over 50. Corey Valentine is in the unique spot of being less than 50% on both. But it goes it goes to to show that when we got mad at how often they were running primary zone against the Buccaneers and all season that like there's evidence to show that these guys can play man coverage and they have always been able to play man coverage. Like Razul in his um in his Packers snaps like with in regards to this um in regards to this graph is further to the right and has was a more lockdown man corner than Carrington Valentine was, um, who is like the best man corner as re- with enough coverage snaps to qualify on this team right now. And so, yeah, I think if they, if Joe Barry wants to, I was going to swear, screw around and play zone against Adam Thielen and Jonathan Mingo, I think there could be a similar situation in which, Adam Thielen, the veteran that he is, is able to find the soft spots in the zone and get open quite quickly for Bryce Young to be able to dink and dunk his way down the field, which I think could be could be good for him against this mean pass rush. This is what Tommy DeVito did. He's making us have a good faith conversation about the Carolina Panthers offense having success. Listen, <laughs> I have no, I have no confidence in the secondary right now to be able to cover zone well. And I and I think I'm justified in having that opinion. Yeah, I think we're all justified. It, it is not. It, we're down bad. That's what it is. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, for the Panthers defense, Andrew, a lot of rushing touchdowns. Has that been like noticeable, or is that somehow just kind of flown under the radar? They have 21 this year. I think it's the like I said them just being constantly on the field. Oh, and I'm not yeah. a I'm I'm not a ball knower, uh. So like I have no stats to back this up. In baseball, I might break out my uh calculator or my spreadsheets, but for football, I'm just vibes, baby, just vibes. Um, <laughs> you don't care about on, DVOA or uh, I mean attempt if, yards, anything like that. If I ever made an attempt to learn about advanced stats in football i think i would get into it because like i like i like sports as like a whole tapestry and on one corner of the tapestry can be uh man he's got that dog in him and the (laughs) other side of it can be 
what's his DVOA or whatever you said or there for the team. I know that's a team stat, right? Yeah, um, sure. Uh, but uh, so yeah, I, I love blending the two. So one day maybe uh, if the team's winning and I want to see stats that back them up. But yeah, I think it's just like they're always on the field and having to do so much and the bin not break eventually does break when that can happen. And um, yeah, I think that's probably what I would attribute it to just based on kind of how the flow of the games typically go for them. I'd love to see an Aaron Jones week then, Jordan, frankly. It would be very helpful. It'd be very helpful that they could have a healthy running back room. We have no idea what's going on with Andrew Dillon. We Kenyon Drake is talking about how he's the oldest I saw, player. I saw that. He's not even 30, which is <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah, I, we saw Air Jones start the game last week on the opening drive. Eight touches on the opening drive. Had five for the rest of the game. Um, and, yeah, I I don't know. I have no idea what to guess with this ready attack at all. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Adam Stanovich, if I can find the tweet quick, um, talked about how there were other issues. Um, yeah, here we go. This is from Ryan Wood today. This is on Thursday. Uh, Packers offensive coordinator Adam Stanovich says he's optimistic with Aaron Jones' health. This is the wrong tweet. My apologies. But he's optimistic about um, Aaron Jones' health late in the season um, after coming out Sunday's game in, a, in good shape. Quote, he's obviously a big a very big piece of this offense. So having him out there, he's been running the ball very well this week. He looks fresh. This is the quote or the tweet I was looking for. Um, still from Ryan Wood, Adam Sanovich didn't want to get into details on why Aaron Jones didn't get many carries after the opening drive on Sunday, but um, attrition after having eight carries on the opening drive was not a factor. Quote, there were other factors that went into that. Whether it was, this is now me talking, whether it was play calling or anything else, who knows, but I think I that's what they have to fix to actually make the offense kind of run as a well-oiled machine like they were during that winning streak and how they haven't looked the past two weeks. Like, I think they just have to figure out a way to get the run to stop the pass going more. I know that's a very old adage in football talk, just to establish the run to stop the pass. But I think especially with how the floor runs this type of offense it really does ring true because they do so much stuff with play action pass as well as um bootlegs and other designed i guess funniness we'll call it um in the backfield between jane reed push passes and end rounds at least once or twice a game so yeah having aaron jones back at least would be helpful um patrick taylor has been good in my opinion and if he can continue that that'd be helpful as well Probably know Emmanuel Wilson back this week. I'd be very surprised if that was the case. Um, but then, yeah, maybe see if Kenny Drake can at least do some kickstarting to get get some runs going if Aaron Jones is still going to be somewhat limited in the play calls this week. Yeah. Let's see. Andrew, what are you most looking forward to from a, from a, from a, a game planning perspective, whether it's offense or defense as it comes to, when it comes to the Panthers? Is there something that you are looking forward to see develop or is there something that you're looking forward to i guess finding resolution on anything like as a season-long um 
a season long former former season ticket holder. For, yeah, a former season ticket holder. Anything like you're looking to see improved upon? Obviously, besides everything, everything is not is not well, a good answer. Former and future, uh, because you know we have the personal seat licenses. So I've got that oh, till right. I'm dead. Till I'm dead. So uh, you know, just took a break. Um, <laughs> continued development from Bryce and just like any sliver of anything that we can like say oh that's something to build off of every good throw right now is something to celebrate um it's sad but that's where we're at also i want to see if uh jonathan mingo continues to get more targets um i was excited about that pick um when they took him in the draft i was actually at a, at a concert when that happened and someone texted me it's like we got mingo from old miss i was like yeah <laughs> he's gonna be the guy yeah. Bryce, young and, Bryce young and mingo that's our future um as you, yeah as you guys know i'm a, a college football watcher as well sorry to any uh badgers fans listening uh but you did have a good recruiting uh class it seems like so Apparently. top 25 i think that's good um yeah so yeah mingo bryce young uh chuba hubbard's had a good year i hope to see that continue and then just hopefully the offensive line can Give Bryce time to throw, and at the very least, don't let him get hurt. I hope the turf in Charlotte is not as rock hard as it was on last Christmas Eve against the Detroit Lions when I think uh, there was uh, some kind of uh, thing submitted to the league complaining about <laughs> the condition of the turf. I hate that. Uh, that turf is apparently terrible. Uh, I hate that they have turf there. I wish it was grass, obviously. As Jordan well knows, I... Sadly, support Charlotte FC as well, who David Tepper also owns. So <laughs> I don't love watching soccer on turf either. Um, so it's just, it's all year. David Tepper gets to torment me is what the moral of that story is. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking forward yeah. to. I'm going to Charlotte. I live in the Triangle area of North Carolina. It's so about a two-hour drive from Charlotte. My buddy um, is from Denver and uh, big uh, Nuggets fan. And so we're going to go see Jokic take on the Hornets on the 23rd. We are not sticking around for this game. We've got to get back for <laughs> holiday festivities. Uh, so I will be watching that one on TV. Got it, got it, got it. But yeah. To, the, go ahead, to Andrew's point, I've found the context of... So J.C. Treader is the president of the uh, NFLPA. Former Packer. Yes, former Packer. He wrote an article uh, last offseason about the league knowing that the Panthers had uh, unsafe conditions for the field. So there's this thing called the Clegg test, which measures the hardness of the field. If the Clegg test registers a hardness above 100 G, I don't know what the G is, maybe it's not grams, I don't know. The field field condition is deemed unsafe. Um... Units of gravity, that's what it is. Uh, when the field for at Carolina was tested before the game, it came back 150 units of gravity. That's so an incredibly cool. hard surface that uh, I am not... I got another thing to worry about now. Fuck, so, this is not fun. This is not fun. I think what happened is they melted the Jerry Richardson statue and then scattered it like ashes across the turf. Like a rink. <laughs> yeah. So They're it's like. On a, a melted. Uh, uh, I don't even know what that would be. What was it? Bronze. You just see an eyeball Bronze. staring up at you as you're in the red zone. Where, where do you think the testicles came from, Jordan? 
Oh, that's true. Yeah, one of the one of the paws is like a pylon, like where you have to like hit, you know, get in the end. Go ahead. Next next time I go to Bank of America Stadium, which I think will be February twenty fourth for the MLS opener, I'm gonna see if I can uh, get a picture of me just like straddling the Panther, like I'm riding it like a horse, and then uh, I'll send you I'll send you a photo of that. If if they eject me, they eject me. You know, <laughs> come come what may. Jeez Louise. I love it. I love it. Alright. We still have to do players to watch the score predictions. So, Andrew, you're up first as the guest as of honor. Guest. Who is your uh who is one of your players to watch in this game? It can you need one for the Panthers and one for the uh the Packers. Uh for the Panthers I'm I'm gonna go with Brian Burns, a guy who will get paid somewhere i don't know if they're in a position where they'll probably have to franchise tag him next season i don't know the status of that that we wondered if they were going to trade him at the deadline um for two seasons in a row now and the rams were purported to have offered two first round picks for him last year so that's well, crazy my, my, might have missed an opportunity there but whatever scott um, was like no i rather deal the picks here good sir exactly <laughs> that's exactly what happened. uh <laughs> When he's engaged and getting into the backfield and pressuring the quarterback, he's so fun to watch um, and can wreak havoc, sacks, fumbles, whatever it may be. Um, so he's my one to watch for the Panthers. And on the other side of the ball, I'm going to pick the obvious one. I'm going to go Jordan Love because, like, I think he could have a big day. And I know you had the stat about limiting uh, yards after the catch and things like that. But back-to-back losses in games that, the team probably thought that they should have won and maybe love gets into a kind of uh, fu mode and wants to go out there and just like really put the team on his back. So, and I, I I'll say this as well. As I said, I'm not a football knower. Uh, I jinx Joe Burrow's career by picking him to win MVP uh, before the season. So apologies to him, but uh, I was skeptical on Jordan love going into the season. And I really liked a lot of what I've seen and like, I love love. So there you go. Man, I would be thrilled for a Jordan Love FU game. An ab- absolute thrilled to be uh, to watch that happen. Pass that click test. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? That's the name of the thing. I know. It's, it's, it's Jordan. Who are your players to watch? Um, Panthers. I'm gonna go Chuba. Is it Chuba or Chuba? Chuba. Chuba. Chuba Hubbard. Um. Yeah, I just think he. I, again, we last week was not much of concern because Baker Mayfield um, threw all over this defense. I mean, Rashad White had just a, just as good of a game. Yeah, I was gonna say he was very productive in both in the running game and the passing game. Um, Miles Sanders, who I I did have high hopes for. I always I've always liked him coming out of Philadelphia. I thought that was a solid signing for him. Just for whatever reason, just has not happened. Chalk that up to Fitterer. Um, but <laughs> I have always liked Shupa Hubbard. I think he's a very productive running back, and he just kind of instills this fear of God in me because I think there's going to be so much attention towards how do the Packers defend Bryce Young? What is the zone coverage? or What is the secondary? How do they take away the threats in the passing game? And I think Shupa Hubbard could just run through this, the middle of this defense and kind of 
get what he wants. So that's my Panthers to watch. Um, oh, I've, I'm always trying to think of like new names for the Packers. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my boy Tucker Craft. Okay. All in, all in on the Tucker Craft experience. I have nothing but good things to say about him. I think he's doing really well. Coming off, I mean, he was nominated for a cheese performance. That's right. Um, I think he is going to be very key to um, Jordan Love getting comfortable, finding those kind of outlet passes, especially with, we talked about the uh, Panthers' success about limiting opposing wideouts. Packers, again, will probably not have Christian Watson because he is not practiced all week. Jaden Reed is is similarly um, has some bumps and bruises and all that stuff that he's continuing to b- 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 uh, battle through um, as much as I was battling through that sentence. Um, I think Tucker Craft will be very key to whether it's red zone, tar- red zone targets or just kind of helping Jordan Love get comfortable against his Panthers defense. I think him showing what he has shown over the last few weeks since basically Luke Musker has been hurt. I think that'd be very helpful for this Packers offense. So Tucker crafted is. I'm there with you. I wasn't going to pick him, but I'm definitely here for, for him as a player to watch. Um, my two players are going to be first up uh, Aaron Jones, trying to see him get back on track, have a big day, hopefully against Andrews Panthers defense. That's no offense. I just hope, he gets back on track for some good mojo to end the season. Um, and if that puts him on track for maybe another year at the organization and a healthier next year, I'm all for it. Um, and then Devontae Wyatt. Like, I, I'm really excited to see if any of those four that I talked about earlier, Rashawn Gary, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark, and um, Preston Smith, if they can get home as often as other teams have been and really bump up that, that sack rate that they've uh, boasted. I'd be excited to see that too. Like I, I've just been here for a Devonte Wyatt like breakout game where he really has an amazing um, impact in, in the sacks, forcing fumbles, or anything like that. So I just want to hear his name called a lot on Sunday. Frankly, is where I'm at with with Devonte Wyatt. So yeah, I, I said two Packers though. I didn't pick up. I didn't pick up. I didn't pick a Panther. So I guess I'll go with like two truths and a lie. Two I know. Eddie Pinheiro, Johnny Hecker. <laughs> Oh God, um, I think Adam Thielen will be my, will be my my Panther. I will just keep the two Packers and then Adam Thielen because I've I've praised Thielen all season long about his ability to. You had a feeling about him. I did have a feeling about him. Um, his ability is just to up Bryce Young's game as much as he can, and he's the the lone veteran on this team that can find the soft spots in the zone. So if they go out and play soft zone. I think Adam Thielen will have no problem trying to find those spots and finding easy completions for his quarterback. So, all that being said, Andrew, what's the score going to be on Sunday? Packers, 24. Panthers, 6. 6? Yeah, we just won a football game (laughs) 9-7. I guess. I, I suppose. Two field goals. Jordan? Two field goals. To be fair, too, they did score six points against the Saints two weeks ago. I will say, 
They're they, a tear of single digits, according to Andrew's they, prediction. Correct. But I will say, <laughs> when you had talked about them playing games like they've been in games this year, they had, they've had six games where they've lost one possession games. And so, like, they, they do stick around in some of these games. A lot of them have come earlier in the season, but they lost 28-1-18 against the Buccaneers, 17-10 against the Titans, 16-13 to the Bears. Um, they won 15-13 against the Texans. Yeah, many people forget Bryce Young is 1-0 against C.J. Stroud. So, <laughs> so like, they, they're in games. Like, I think he it's... He may be losing the war, but he won the battle. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll we'll see. I guess Jordan, what is your uh, what is your prediction? I think this is an eggshells game. I think I again. I think this I'm not is, sure what that means, but go for it. Well, I think that the field surface is going to be equivalent to walking on eggshells. Everybody's going to be smashing <laughs> grass bits to pieces. Anyway, no, I'm saying I think this is a very tight, trepidatious game from a Packers perspective. Um, I would hopefully not like to see a tight Jordan Love because I think that's where he's... He, it's just very palpable when you see him yeah. uncomfortable. We've seen this. Very the, clear. I'm going to go Packers. Packers 20. Let's go Panthers 10. Another low-scoring Packers affair. Yeah. I'm going to go Packers 31 Panthers 16. That's what I'm going for. I think. I feel like this is the only game this year. And maybe this is just because of the Panthers being the worst team in the league. I have no feel for this game. I have absolutely none. I just don't think I have expectations for this game. My expectation is that they win. But I don't know how they're going to win. Therefore, you have expectations. But, like, I just don't know, like, how they're going to win. Or, like, I don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, they sh- they should win. Like, honestly. They should. Do I expect them to? I, I honestly couldn't tell you, Jordan. Like, they should win this game. But they also should have beat the Giants and they, on the road. And they also should have won against the Buccaneers. So, expecting them mm. to win might have been a bridge. Buccaneers is a little bit more defensive. It, the it, way is, that they... it is a bit more defensive, but the Giants one is not. No, it's not. This is the same, like. Scenario at the if Giants I game. see Tommy DeVito's agent on my Twitter <laughs> screen one more time, he's got the one cool, more time. He's got, got the cool hat. <laughs> oh, it's great! <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Andrew, what is your feeling on Tommy DeVito and his hat <laughs> and his agent's hat? It, none of it feels real. It feels like someone just like opened a portal door that's like, yeah, we're going to have the, the uh, living embodiment of Goofy come through wearing a fedora. <laughs> like, that is what he looks like. He looks like a human Goofy. I love that Tommy DeVito has also gotten, or I love it, or do I hate it? I think I might be with Jordan that I hate it. But he had to, like, take away marketing responsibilities from this guy because he was like, raising the price on like already agreed to meet and greets or whatever it was yesterday's it's, price is not today's price andrew the price <laughs> the price of a brick is going it's up going up. i think is exactly what happened jordan uh you know privately for the listeners the three of us communicate regularly uh via uh various channels you know uh, like i like i told the listeners you know the talk guys 
off the mic, just wonderful people. Uh, but me and Jordan have both been going through Sopranos rewatches uh, yes. the last few months. So seeing all this happen and then seeing like the fake uh, report that like Tommy DeVito uh, had told the Giants to knock it off with all the Italian stuff was, was so funny because it Wait, sounded like real? it could be real. That is no, real. it wasn't real. It was it wasn't real. It was, uh, it was a parody account, I think. Oh, I thought oh. that was real. Um, but and then you see the trademark stuff today. What was it like? Passing Paisanos and uh, <laughs> oh, something else. I can't God. remember. It's just it's it's so 2023 where you can't get a sense of what is reality and what isn't reality. That it's honestly perfect, especially for this football season, because this has been a weird football season where I'm like, is anybody good other than the team coach by Kyle Shanahan? No. Yeah. Mm. I don't think so. But that's football. Yeah. All right, folks, that does it for us. Andrew, where can the people find you? You already gave a plug for our favorite Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Where else can people find you? Yeah, so at AC Snide on Twitter, if you're watching on YouTube. He loves the tweet, by the way. Big, big tweeter. I've been up in the tweet game a lot more lately. Comedy and dog photos are kind of what, like, my two sweet spots are. Um, First, I do want to say that just thank you guys for having me for a third time. I am a Panthers fan, but I have a soft spot for the Packers. My favorite player as a kid was Brett Favre. We talked about early sports memories. Super Bowl 31 was it against the Patriots that they won. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, So, obviously, I was too young for that, as we talked about earlier. But my dad had it on VHS. Uh, that he had recorded during the Super Bowl, like one of those where you like write the title on a white slip of paper yeah, right yes. in front of it. Yep. And that was a frequent rewatch when I started getting into sports. I would just put that game on, you know, Drew Bledsoe turning it over for fun, uh, Dorsey Levins, Antonio Freeman. Uh, so, uh, you know, Packers Nation, I might be a Panthers fan, but I got appreciation for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then Cruising for Bruising, me and Adam talking about the Brewers. Had an episode drop this week. Uh, about some of the small moves they've made. Make time for this also with Adam McGee, where we talk movies. We'll have one next week about the movies of Todd Haynes and his most recent um, film on Netflix, May, December. Um, and then, oh, yeah, maybe God. I pop into to Bucks stuff uh, every now and then because uh, I love the Bucks. I'll be in Milwaukee in January to see three Bucks games, and I couldn't be more excited. They just beat the Magic. So go Bucks, go, go, go Pack, go. Who cares? <laughs> That's right, baby. That's right. Uh, as uh, Andrew said, check out the Bucks feed with Ty and, Ty and Rohan and Adam and Adam and Jordan for winning six and Nero step for Ty and Rohan. GSP.info to find all of that. Go follow all the pods. Go follow all the pod accounts on Twitter. Um, yeah, I think that, that is what does it. So thanks for listening again. With the holidays coming up, I get to try my hand out at a solo pod next week. Oh. So, uh... Let's be, go. Be sure to look for that in your podcast feeds. Um, Christmas morning, you can unwrap it, put your little headphones in, and warm up with a nice hot cocoa as your kids unwrap presents. You can have your headphones in listening to me talk about hopefully a win. <laughs> so that will that'll just want to do it for us. Thank you again, you guys all for for listening. And uh, Andrew Jordan, thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>